you really have to look at commodities like you're going to play roulette or craps in Vegas. You can't go there saying, I'm going to strike it rich. You're going there saying, listen, there's a good chance I could make a lot of money, but there's also a good chance I could lose all of this. This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, teaching you each episode about holistic retirement plans. It's time for another Retire Happy Podcast. Walter Storholt here alongside John Amarino, San Diego's premier holistic retirement advisor, serving you throughout the San Diego area with an office there on Trina Street off of Interstate 15 next to Scripps Ranch High School. You can find us online at gosecurus.com. Again, that's gosecurus.com. John, great to be with you again on the program today. Looking forward to the show. I am too. I am too. Nice and relaxed, ready to go. All right. We've got lots of good things to talk about today, including alternative investments. Should we ignore them? Should we jump all over them? It seems to be at least part of all the rage these days in the wake of the GameStop mania that happened several weeks back. And I want to explore what alternative investments are all about with you on today's program. Uh, we also have a good mailbag question we're going to get to a little bit later from Robert, wondering about maxing out 401k Roth and a Roth IRA. So we'll get into that, uh, the nuances of that question coming up as well. Uh, but before we get to all of that, John, it's time to find out what's happening in the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. All right, so in the uh, news today, John, you know, the internet spent several days riveted by that game stock drama uh, that I had mentioned out of the gate today. Is there anything that you would just like to add to that conversation? And I also think this will set us up well for our, you know, conversation about alternative investments today, too. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, what I like to add is ha, ha, ha. The market manipulators. <laughs> Great analysis, John. That was really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the hedge fund guys, they were, they were going to squeeze GameStop down to zero, right? At, at least from what I know of, of the story. And, and uh, they got short squeezed. So, you know, I'm not, I, I, the markets are manipulated. They're manipulated all the time by big money. So I just kind of thought it was pretty funny that, you know, it got, the tables got flipped on them. Am I in favor of manipulation? Absolutely not. So while I thought it was funny, you know, it's also, you know, you're, you're, you know, you are messing with the markets, but you know, it's I, I do like to see some of this happen from time to time just for the pure sense of, you know, people trying to right a wrong, I guess. And I, I think, you know, you know my love for our politicians. I just thought it was really funny that a lot of politicians who are the politicians for the people came running real quick to defend to, to their Wall Street hedge fund billionaire <laughs> buddies, right? Don't forget about that lobbying money because the Reddit people aren't lobbying for you, but the billionaires are. So we have to, we have to squash this horrible thing. That was, I mean, the 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 two biggest things I got out of it were like, hey, listen, it's it's funny that the tables got flipped on you, and then it's even funnier watching the politicians who claim to be in your corner, you know, drop you like a sack of potatoes and go run to where you know their money, the the people who they those big bad capitalist companies that they're always bashing they you know we're quick to defend them so but you know 
all in all, do I do I think it's great for the markets? No, uh, I don't because if you're short squeezing, then then you're you know manipulating too. But I think one very positive thing that did come out of it is I it really it got manipulation into the mainstream you know mindset. You know, and people I think realize that I don't think a lot of people realize what you know some of these shorts are. And so I think it's it's always good when uh when people are awakened to some stuff that they never knew really happens on a day to day basis. Well, speaking of the things that we uh don't normally think about, you know, I think the the normal investment world is pretty crowded and uh, has endless possibilities of companies to choose from and different ways that you can invest. I mean, even just talking about the GameStop thing, a lot of people are exposed to the word, you know, shorting or the concept of shorting or hearing about short squeezes, you know, pretty frequently. And so, oh, what's that? You know, it's so that led to some more discussion and education and. You know, then you started hearing that silver's next. There's going to be a silver squeeze. Then seemed to be kind of one of the next things that came out of it. And so it's interesting because it kind of brought up these different, these newer buzzwords to some people and kind of some exposure to this world of uh, alternative investments as well. And there's a segment of the market out there classified specifically as that, John, alternative investments. And many people find it intriguing. Other people really have no idea what it's all about. And I'm curious to kind of explore the question today, is there a place for alternative investments in your clients' portfolios, in in a retiree's portfolio? And maybe some of the top alternative investments we should at least be aware of and know about, even if they're not a fit for us. So I want to answer some of those kinds of questions on the show today. First of all, how do you how do we define? Because I, I find a common theme on anything we talk about, John, that uh, definitions are very loose and a bit subjective. So how do you define alternative investments to your clients? Well, I, I look at it as, you know, those investments that pretty much, I mean, in a very granular sense, aren't really tracking those big indexes. You know, gold and silver and precious metals, you know, they're pretty popular out there. But, you know, they're not. And you you have your gold and silver ETFs. Um, I, I would tend to say this is more of the metals, right? But, you know, yeah, they, they don't really – I wouldn't really have them in your core portfolio we we do have some you know gold ETFs and whatnot as a hedge in some of our models like the you know Ray Dalio's all weather uh, portfolio which is kind of like you know we we use the all all seasons uh, based on his all weather portfolio but it, it's got some gold ETFs in it but yeah it just doesn't fall under that brick and mortar traditional stock bond investment is is how I would say it you know, how I define it to clients. And with that, you're going to have typically more volatility. Okay. So more, more volatility and uh, sounds like some other concerns in there compared to the normal investments. Does this all mean that there's more risk in an alternative investment than you typically find in the traditional routes? Yeah, they're, they're okay. definitely going to be all, all that. All of those things risk. you mentioned translates to more yeah. risk. Yeah, and, and I mean, listen, your gold and silver and, and precious metal people can can argue 
that there isn't. And, and I'm not going to say I, I actually, you know, in, in full disclosure, I, I actually own some gold and silver precious metals as as a hedge against what, what I'm concerned about as, as a crash in dollar or inflation. But, you know, gold and silver, I mean, it's had its volatile periods in time. So, you know, you can go back and, you know, go back, a, you know, 100 years or, or however long and say, well, you know, gold is always, you know, gold used to be in 1933 or, or whatnot. I don't know the exact day or year, you know, it was trading at $30 an ounce. And now look at it, it's 1800 And you've you've made your point. But no one's retirement is 90 years long, right? So as a retirement portfolio, we really have to drill down to a, a 10 or or not a 10, but a, a 20 or, you know, 30 year time period. And it, it has both gold and silver have had their, you know, their volatility. So, you know, and some of the other big ones, you know, crypto, oof, uh, you know, I'd, I get people texting me all the time, do you know, should I get, you know, my friends, should I get crypt, crypt you know, Bitcoin? Uh, Bitcoin? <laughs> and I'm like, I, what are you investing in? Bitcoin. But what is it? It's a currency. Whose currency? I mean, it's it's not a hard asset. It's a digital currency. That scares me. But I but it went up nine hundred percent last week. Okay. If you want to invest in it, you don't need my permission. <laughs> but just you know, I tell people, and I've got clients that have you know commodities. Oil, gas, gold, silver, but they have to understand that it needs to be. If you're following a core satellite type of philosophy, the core is your your foundation. The satellite is, you know, perhaps just a perimeter or, or an ultra growth part of your portfolio. You really have to look at commodities like you're going to play roulette or craps in Vegas. You can't go there saying, I'm going to strike it rich. You're going there saying, listen, there's a good chance I could make a lot of money, but there's also a good chance I could lose all of this. And one advisor I listened to, and again, I almost sound like a broken record, but so much good information came from this RMA accreditation, is you know they present risk on a scale of one to five. You know, One being you're not going to lose money. Right, your CDs, your fixed index annuities, or you know, and five is you could lose it all, right? And maybe you know, an ETF or a mutual fund might be a, a three or a four, and a bond might be a two. But you got to just you know, really simply look at it on that scale. And these are all fives. You can lose. I mean, I I wouldn't say you'd lose all your money with a gold and silver. It's a hard asset. If if there's anything, I I feel probably the you know, the best about of, of any commodity, it might be gold and silver. Oil for now, I'm not sure oil's really in uh, good favor with, you know, the current administration. But, you know, oil lost, what, you know, you had some oil lost 50, 60% of its value last year. So, yeah, you, you, you have to understand that this is Vegas money. It should not be money you are counting on. In retirement, it should be Vegas money or long-term growth money, and that's money that you're not going to have to touch for ten years. 
So it can be part of someone's financial plan, but it's not really, in at least in your eyes, for most people, alternative investments really, if we're doing the proper planning, don't have a, a right place in somebody's retirement plan. Correct. Okay. On the foundation. Look at it like you're going to go play the Powerball. Okay, maybe it's got a little bit better odds than the Powerball. But you you go and you play the Powerball with hopes that you're going to hit it rich, but in reality, you know you're not. So, you know, yes, this has better odds. Yes, a lot of people have made money off Bitcoin. But again, you have to understand that you can have, if something can swing up 800%, in two weeks, it can certainly swing down the other way just as quick. So if you've satisfied your flooring, and by that mean we mean you've satisfied your income needs for your fixed or necessary expenses, and perhaps for some people, your, your lifestyle, your discretionary expenses, if you've got that floor satisfied and then you start to look to your, your upside – then you have to evaluate, okay, how much of this upside am I going to have to actually tap in a five- or ten-year period, right? To, because you may have to replenish that floor depending on what you're using as your income strategy. And then from there, then you can look at commodities. Say, okay, I've got my floor satisfied. I've got my upside. I know how. I know that with this upside growth, traditionally speaking and looking at historics, historical performance of the markets, that I should be able to replenish the income buckets and the flooring over time. And now I have this money that really, I mean, you're looking at legacy money, right? This money's probably going to go, you know, is not going to go with me, you know, when I leave this earth. And you just want to, you know, play play the Vegas odds. That's, that's how I really look at uh, most commodities. Like I said, some models like our all seasons does have some some gold ETFs in it because gold is a good hedge to inflation and to a weakening dollar. And I think we we are ripe, you know, for that and uh you know, silver is again, it's a hard asset that's used. So, you know, I could see some some exposure, but again, not as a foundation. You know, the rest of this stuff, the cryptos, REITs. REITs are a popular alternative because, hey, you know what? You know, we're going to get you that steady income stream, right? You're going to invest in a real estate investment trust. And basically, you're investing in a company that is going to buy a property. And then they're going to have, you know, some of these REITs will say, oh, yeah, we have property where Home Depot, who's not going to go out of business anytime soon, has a 20-year lease. So you're going to make, you know, you're going to make your, your, your proceeds will be off those lease payments. And that appeals to some people, but I've had a lot of clients that are stuck in REITs. They're highly illiquid. You just can't get out of them. And, you know, REITs too can uh, lose all their money. I, I believe if memory serves me right, general properties or something like that lost 99% of its value during the market crash in, in 08. So, you know, I think the easiest way to really look at commodities is just understand that 
there's a good chance you could lose a substantial amount of your money, if not all, um, you know, uh, for the exception of gold and silver. But gold and silver, I've seen people lose 55% of their value too. So just have it as Vegas money and, you know, maybe as, as a hedge for something you're concerned about. But again, you have to be willing. And again, on a personal note, when I bought my, uh, gold and silver, my hard metals, when I, when I made the purchase, I said, okay, I'm willing to lose X amount of dollars. And that's, you know, I don't need this money, right? I'm working, but you know, I have some concerns here and there and this, you know, if, if, if these happen, then this, this will make a lot of money. If, if not, then, you know, then I knew the risks involved. Good to have that perspective on all these alternative investments. And I think that's all well said, John. I won't try to add any more to that other than to say if you have any questions about this or want to explore a little bit further, maybe not so much how alternative investments can be part of your retirement plan, but if you have questions about them and how it just fits into the overall financial picture or, more importantly, establishing that floor, establishing that solid retirement plan so that you can then, with the fun money, go out there and take your gamble on Bitcoin or, or maybe the next Bitcoin <laughs> that's out there, whatever yeah. the case may be, you have that freedom to. That's what it's all about by getting the retirement plan in place, right, John, is unlocking that freedom to then go and do these other things that are on that want list, that I'm going to Vegas type list. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's if if I, I have some clients that, you know, they they just have a small little account that they like to do play money and, and all that, you know. Have at it. You want to buy a stock, and you know because uh, you think it's going to flourish, or you know you had some prior experience with that company, and or you want to buy whatever this. I I mean I don't even know. There's like so many versions of Bitcoin. Well, there's like, the made up one now that's yeah. that has gotten all the attention. The dog one, right? Do, yeah, Do, Dogecoin, I, mean, I think they call yeah. it. Yeah. It's and what exactly is backing this? Like, I mean. You know, back in the mm-hmm. day when we were on a gold standard, you could only have so much money based on how much, you know, gold you had in reserves. I mean, the fiat dollar is kind of like a cryptocurrency. There's so much more digital, you know, digital dollars than there's real dollars. But then crypto's taken it to a whole nother yeah. level. But, you know, to each their own. You know, and if, yeah. as long as you know that if you put $1,000 down, yes. You may have five thousand, or you may have nothing. Yeah, and that's you know honestly, from my experience and from my academic knowledge, you're not basing your fundamental retirement plan off that because you are going to be stressed out of your mind. Yeah, don't make those investments in the same account that you use to put food on the table. We want to stay away from that. To bring it full circle, I come back to the GameStop thing that we started off with on the show. You know, you hear a lot of stories about how a lot of people made a lot of money on that run up in the stock with GameStop. But, you know, when it was hitting 500, people were selling. That means people were buying at 500. And there's a lot of people out there that bought and held from 500 down to 400, down to 300. And maybe now that it's, I don't know, last check was definitely below the three-digit mark unless something dramatic happens between the time of this recording and when people are hearing this. But, you know, it kind of has come back down to earth levels there's still people holding the bag and have probably lost a lot of money. And that happens all the time, but you don't hear those stories as much as the big winners. You hear about the right. big winners. 
and you know, but people who have listened to this podcast over you know the the last you know what couple years have understood that behavioral finance plays a part of that, right? All those people at five hundred, I'm gonna get on the guy, I'm gonna get on the GameStop, you know, bandwagon. I'm gonna get my riches too. And well, you got it during the euphoric stage. Now it's dropping. What stage are you at? You at the denial stage, the depression stage, <laughs> can't Bar- get any worse bartering. stage. <laughs> when you know is it bargaining? So, bargaining or bartering? One of those two. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some stocks that you know I kind of you know I'll dabble in, in just a couple of stocks here and there, and you know I was looking at I was looking at you know one stock as like it still showed as a buy, but it had like a 600 percent run up in May, and I'm like, I'm just not seeing the opportunity here. <laughs> I mean, 600 hey, percent stuff can only go so high before the bubble pops you know it's it's you know i think we talked about newton on on the last podcast right the laws of gravity Mm -hmm. right they exist in the market world what goes up will come down so you know and that's kind of just a a side note you know if something's booming chances are yeah you might be able to get a little bit more of the uptick but it's like buying at the top of the market Right. Yes, you may get a little bit more of the uptick, but you've actually put yourself more at risk to having more of the downside. Great points as always, John. And if, again, you have any questions about this, feel free to reach out to John. 858-935-6210 is the number to call. 858-935-6210 or go online at gosecurus.com. Gosecurus.com. We'll put links and contact info in the show notes section of today's program. Go check it out there. It's getting to know you time. All right, time to get to know John Amarino a little bit better on today's program and our getting to know you question this month. John, what's the hardest you've ever worked for something? The hardest I've ever worked for something, that is a very easy answer, and that is building this practice. My dad, you know, I've mentioned this before, he was a CFP for over 35 years he's still you know still you know fairly active although slowing slowing it down and you know for all intents and purposes i could have taken the easy route and been his succession plan and i have a very close relationship with my dad but we have conflicting investment ideologies and um you know and i kind of just had to do that deep dive and said you know i don't really believe in this and I almost almost like felt like the you know some of these guys that have gone from the brokerage world over to the you know to to our world on the RIA side the the investment advisory side you know a lot of these guys were just like this was not what I signed up for and you know not saying my dad's my dad is an investment advisor he has his you know um, investment advisory license but you know he just has a different he has that older school you know, mantra on making money. And I, I don't. And, uh, so it's, it's hard when you're, you know, you have Edward Jones and and Merrill Lynch and, you know, some other huge firms right around the corner, even on the same street as you, and you're trying to make a name for yourself. And, you know, it's, you have to, you have to have drive to be an entrepreneur. And really, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, and I remember 
having days of frustration talking to mentors saying, you know, I, I signed up to deal with people's finance, financial lives and help them with their finances, not deal with like marketing and all this computer. But guess what? You know, my mentor says, well, guess what? You signed up for this. If you want to be a business owner, you need to know how to market your business. You need to know how to do things. You know, you need to understand all these. I, I, this whole process I've been working on this year, uh, Zapier and, and you know, all these integrations and uh, four or five different softwares. I mean, some of it's mind-numbing. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, I have a great amount of pride in, and I can even talk to to my son on a real level about failure because I've failed many times in the past. And, you know, no one, I don't like failure. I'm extremely competitive. I don't like to lose. There are no fun games in our family, as we always say. Cornhole is as serious as, is as, serious as a Super Bowl. <laughs> but, you know, failure to me as a as a entrepreneur and as a business owner has probably added more value than success has if that makes sense i mean if you just walk into something and and the keys to the kingdom are handed to you i think you get complacent i think you can get a little arrogant and i think by putting your I mean, everything you've got, right? I, I mean, I put everything I have into my family. But aside from that, you know, my free time at night, every night I'm reading or I'm listening to a podcast. You know, I spend, you know, I Michael Kitsis has his financial planning or his readings for financial planners on the weekends. I spend my weekends, you know, reading articles to try to make my clients' lives better because that's the key to me growing my firm. So yes, becoming the being the president and founder of Securus Financial is the hardest thing I've ever worked for. But now I can look back and, you know, a lot of businesses went under. A lot of financial advisory businesses went under with COVID. And and I mean, you know, it's even for a practice where I've had a great amount of success. You know, COVID presented its own challenges. But I think at the end of the day now, I can really kind of look back and say, you know, I've got a lot of pride in the work that I put in. Kind of harkens back to our previous episode, John, of finding that purpose in life and how much you identify work-wise with that. Now, you're not retiring just yet, so we don't have to worry too much about how you're going to spend your retirement time and, and peeling you away from identifying with your work too much. But interesting how that does overlap with some of our uh, deep discussion from the last episode. And uh, yeah. right right there with you. Yeah, building building a company, a business, and uh, a life for your family through that business is uh, definitely it takes a lot of hard work. And uh, I, I can't imagine that there was a, a better answer out there for you to choose from because yeah. definitely a lot requires not just a one-time hard work kind of thing either. It's constant and it's ever everlasting. Uh, it's, no. always, it's always there to work on as well. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, and you know, not only, you know, my, you know, yes, my wife makes good money too, but, you know, I, my success at work affects my family's, you know, 
uh, the, the ability to give those memories that we talk to, you know, with, with the family. But not only that, you know, it's one thing to be, you know, just a, just, you know, you, you yourself, but then when you throw in employees into the mix, now you're, now you're also responsible for their livelihood too. So, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I have found it extremely rewarding. Very true. Absolutely. Well, time to wrap up the episode today. John, thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, but before we do, a quote of the month and our mailbag question of the day. First, the quote of the month, your net worth to the world is usually determined by what remains after your bad habits are subtracted from your good ones. That's probably that's an interesting way to look at things. That was from uh, Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that yeah, you know, you'd mentioned just our past episode of fulfillment of purpose. I listen, you know, having money and and it, it having money does provide you certain memories. Uh, you know, it does provide you a good lifestyle. It does alleviate stressors, right? I think everyone can agree to that, but um, I think that when you're talking legacy and the type of person you are, no one cares about your wealth, right? It's, it's about that impact that we've always talked about. And, you know, I don't, I've, I've unfortunately been to quite a few funerals here in the last five years and no one's ever said so-and-so was rich. You know, they've always talked about, Hey, how he was willing to drop, you know, no matter how sick they were, they were always putting other people in front of them. And, um, you know, everybody's got their faults, but, you know, for a lot of people, um, you know, when you remove those bad habits and you, you peel back, you know, the, 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 the inner soul of that person, um, you know, that's what people remember. And, you know, I, I, I mean, geez, just the other day, you know, my wife was having a tough day. I mean, it's been, you know, quite a few months since uh, Sean passed, but there's, we're always talking about how he would do this or how he would do that or, or his experiences with Jake. And, um, you know, that's, that's the legacy he's left. Yeah. It's fantastic to be able to look back on, on life in that way. And, um, that's an, a, an interesting math equation to do your bad habits subtracted from your good ones. See what's left. Um, I know it probably doesn't boil down just quite that easy, but the simple concept is uh, some good food for thought. All right, let's get a question here to end this week's show. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Okay, John, this month's question comes to us from Robert. Robert says, which is better? To max out your Roth 401k or Roth IRA, I'm in my mid-30s and already getting the 401k match from my employer and then adding an additional 5% on that in the Roth 401k. Should I put the remainder of my retirement savings into a Roth IRA or just keep putting more into the Roth 401k? I probably can't max out both, so should I do more in one than the other or just a little bit in each? Does it make a difference at all? You know, uh, Robert, first of all, I, um, I just want to make sure you understand because this is a lot of people do get tripped up on this, that your match does not go into your Roth, first of all. Your your employer match will always go into your traditional 401k. So I just want to uh, make a point there just in case you didn't know that. 
But I didn't you know, know that, John, so I learned something today. Yeah, yeah. So my advice would be just just max out the Roth 401k as much as you can. You know, you have, and, and, and that's the very simplistic answer. You know, the Roth IRA, you have, you have contribution. You can only put so much in your Roth IRA. First of all, you can contribute much more into your Roth 401k, but you also have limitations, you know, income limitations on your Roth IRA. And, you know, I have some, I have some friends of mine that I, I, you know, help them out with their finances too. And, you know, we've had to always do backdoor Roth conversions because they just make too much money. And that's, you know, basically putting money into a non-deductible traditional IRA and then eventually moving that money to Roth IRA and paying tax on on that conversion. So you just have, it's it's a much more simplistic way of going about things. Um, and the one powerful thing, I, I mean, I'm never, I'm not, not always a huge fan of a, a lot of 401ks. I mean, we started at doing 401k plans for companies and I really try to get good investments for those companies. But aside from, you know, the limited investment options, you know, the 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 biggest benefit that the the 401k or Roth 401k has is if you lose money in it, you're able to shove that money back in through your contributions and you're doing dollar cost averaging, which actually becomes very powerful once that market rebounds up and you're in your 30s, you're going to live through a couple of, you know, more than a few market uh, declines during your employment years. So you can always take advantage of that much more than potentially you could in the Roth IRA. So just on a very simple, simple, not knowing every little detail, I would lean more towards the Roth 401k. Very good. Hopefully that is helpful to you, Robert. Some good food for thought there. And again, if you have any additional questions about that in particular or anything else related to your financial or retirement plan, Never hesitate to reach out to John if you would like to have a discussion on those things. 858-935-6210 is the number. 858-935-6210 or go to gosecurus.com. Check for contact info in the description of today's show on your favorite podcasting app. John, appreciate the help and the guidance on the program today, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks. Well, it's uh, fun as always. Absolutely. We'll see everybody next time right back here on the Retire Happy Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Securus Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Amarino and guests on this radio show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered.